Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Junk Drawer Podcast. All righty, we are back. Episode six in our Chronicles of Narnia special series. And as promised, this week I do have another special guest besides Nicole. Um, Brendan, I think this is your debut appearance on the podcast as well. Yep, on, on any podcast, actually. Wow, mm. look at that. Yep. I mean, uh, making a little, making history in more than one way. I will say I uh, I have to owe my love for Narnia actually to Brendan. Um, because I want to say when I was nine, probably mom got him, I think, did Grammy and grandpa get you the book or did mom and dad get you the book? I I can't remember. Somebody got him the book and it was like the big thick book that has all of them in one. And then shortly thereafter, you got the audio dramas, which, um, I have tons of fond memories listening to in the, your little tiny small room. Uh, spending hours in there listening. That's actually one of the reasons why I love the horse and his boy because I distinct like I can see in my mind's eye sitting on the top bunk, listening to the horse and his boy. And then I also I hold the uh, the title of the destroyer of of said CDs, but I still protest. <laughs> Any comments? <laughs> I don't I don't know if you remember this, but the horse and the boy was actually the first time I think any of us got introduced to Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you'd remember this. I was maybe like. 10 but we got um we got the i don't know if it was an audio drama or if it was just um uh just um audiobook audiobook for some reason in my mind i think it was audio drama but i've never been able to find it but we got the horse and the boy from the library and it was it was one of those nights it was so cold that none of us could sleep upstairs so we're all sleeping downstairs in the family room in our house in pennsylvania okay around the fire yeah and we played it over the cd player with all of us laying on the floor maybe that's what i'm remembering yeah i've i've searched for that version i've never been able to find it yeah. i still i still have like this soundtrack in my head yeah but i've never been able to find that version so but. growing up i always thought that the soundtrack to these was like the soundtrack to narnia and then it wasn't until i was a little older and we started listening to other focus on the family cds that i realized <laughs> it's like focus on the family's theme and i was right. kind of bummed out i always thought like i loved the focus on the family opening um, but yeah, so Brendan's here and he, so this, we're, we're doing uh, the silver chair and this one is probably by far me and Nicole's, not our least favorite because you can't have a least favorite Narnia. Um, just, you love them all. But if I were to pick a bottom on the totem pole, it'd be this one. However, this one is Brendan's, um, favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, favorite. um, we brought him in, we brought in the big guns and I think we're going to have him back as well for. Um, the last battle. Um, quick, quick. <laughs> I guess we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> quick disclaimer: If the audio is poor, uh, we are kind of making do with a setup right now. That um, I, I got a new setup coming that'll host more than two people, but uh, we had to kind of improvise, adapt, and overcome for this week's. Um, Nicole, any comments before we jump right in, or you uh, all set? Oh, I think I'm good. All right, let's go. So, silver chair comes in after the voyage of the dawn treader um i think it's is it a year of eustace's time i believe or is it, i think it's just his school year going back to school it's, 
it's the it's the first term of their school year. Okay. So it makes it sound like the holidays had just ended. Yep. Okay. It was the summer holidays where he went. So really, it could be months, basically. Yeah. Or yeah. It would be not months. Long. Not not very long. And uh, so he's at school, um, and it's it, uh, C.S. Lewis does a really good job. He uh, he had a disdain for the modern schools that were in coming into England. Uh, they were co-ed, uh, and they were just kind of poorly run. And so he kind of picks on on the the school system in the beginning, where I think it opens with Polly, right? Yeah, Polly's behind the school, um, and she's crying. And Eustace comes upon her. They have a little dialogue talking about how you know the bullies are bullying Jill, and how Eustace used to be a, bu- a bully, right? Um, but now because of going to Narnia, he's a changed person, and that change is actually like very well noticed by all of his schoolmates and peers. Um, so they're talking and I think Narnia comes up in the conversation and they draw a circle right in the ground. Yeah, I think and step into it, trying and basically call to Aslan to bring them into Narnia. Um, during that time, the bullies and it kind of reminds me like C.S. Lewis always kind of does like some earthly force pushes like in, uh, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, the crowd of people pushed them towards the wardrobe um trying to think i guess in the other one they were called well i was thinking about this and really in every every story c.s lewis has like a totally unique way of them Mm -hmm. of them um going to narnia like in um in the magician's nephew it's like a combination yeah. of the rings and right. and the pools. Yep. Which is two totally unique concepts, right? They touch the rings. Right. But they have to like go into the pools and come out in a different world. Right. Right. And then the Lion of the Witch and Wardrobe, they go into the wardrobe. Right. And then in Prince Caspian, Aslan literally just pulls him there. Right. right. And then in um the Voyage of the Don Treader, it's like Narnia comes to them through mm-hmm. the window frame. <laughs> right. Which, or right. The, the picture frame, which is like it says like the ocean comes in. So it's not like they go through, it's like it comes to them. Right, right. And then in this one, um, it's just a doorway opens up. Right. right? And they walk through it. But it's not even to Narnia. Right. They actually get blown. Aslan blows into right. Narnia. Right, which we'll, we'll get through that in just a second. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the only similarity would be the fact that a human force pushed them towards the open gate. They're, they're going out to what they right. think is the moor, right. and they're like, ah, oh, man, right. I hope the gate's unlocked. And then when they go through the gate, they end up in Aslan's country. Right. So it's it's similar to the magician's nephew to where they kind of go to a place mm-hmm. in between there. Yeah. Yep. And Narnia. Just... That's one of my theories of this is, did they go to that same wood between the worlds? Oh, yeah. Is that like Aslan's it... country? Yeah. Like right. in, in the magician's like nephew? There's no, in this one, there's no pools. In the magician's right. nephew, obviously, there's the pools. But there's and a stream. There's a stream. Yep. And it's... a a wooded and it's but a, like on the edge right. of the cliff so is it like the edge of the wood right. between the world I don't know yeah. but it kind of makes me think it's this like yeah. a similar place but yeah so they go um, they get through um, and to be honest my when I was listening to it I, I missed how like what happens until they get to the cliff are they just walking around because um, I had a they're glitch immediately in my, right there are they just yeah. immediately on the cliff yeah, yeah. They, get, they get dropped or whatever like right, right there yeah. yeah so they're they're and I think it says it's cloudy right or I don't remember. They're so high up that they can see the clouds below them, and she thought okay. they were sheep. But they're they're like they get dropped in a wood, okay, right? and they just yeah. kind of come out of the wood, and the cliffs like yeah. right, there. right there. Yeah, 
But yeah, so they, they're there. Jill's kind of fooling around, and Eustace tries to stop her, and in the process, she knocks Eustace over the cliff. So he's falling. Aslan comes running out. Of course, Jill has never been to Narnia. Eustace has, so she doesn't know this is a good lion. She doesn't know it's Aslan. And so she kind of, I think it talks about how she like freezes almost, but Aslan blows Eustace away. And it just, she just talks about how, the narrator, I guess, talks about how she sees him just like kind of pick up and drift off into the distance. So then from there, Aslan just turns and walks off. And Jill is kind of standing there stunned and talks about how thirsty she is, but she's kind of scared because she saw the lion, but then the lion walked off. She doesn't know where Aslan went. So she finally is so thirsty she goes. And that's one thing that's so fascinating to me. Like there's there's this passage of time, but then later on, when we get to it in a second, um, they both arrive in Narnia and it's like within seconds of each other. Right. But it was because of Aslan's control. But anyway, so she goes to the, into the wood and she goes to get a drink of water, but Aslan's there. So she's kind of afraid. And Aslan talks to her and says, aren't you thirsty? Which... Eustace had told her about Aslan. Right. But, but not that he was a lion. Yeah, if you think about it, Eustace, right. Eustace hadn't really told her much of anything mm-hmm. at all. Like, no. Like the time passing from like him explaining a little bit about Ask School to them right. being there. Right. Like, like Jill kind of knows nothing right. about it. And I think she even says that to Aslan. She's like, well, Jill or Eustace kind of told me a little bit. But... Yeah, she immediately starts like blaming him and crying, and it's annoying. Which she always does. She <laughs> always starts running and her mouth. I, I, I will say, I think in this case, the audio drama does Jill a disservice. Yeah. And also Eustace. I think I think Eustace's voice was really good at capturing like the whiny Eustace. Right. And Don Treader, but I don't think he was too hot and, and focused on the family silver chair. Like I've been listening to the audio books. Uh-huh. And I actually like the character of Jill yeah. quite a bit. Like, well, I, I do like her in The Last Battle. Yeah. Pers- like, personally, better, I think yeah. they're both way better in The Last Battle. Like, I like... Yeah. It, and it's just almost... I, I agree. Like, she's just very... The, the uh, voice actors kind of makes her really whiny. Which, again, read the books. They're the best way to go. Right. Because um, then your imagination fills in the gaps in personality, which is just... You can't replace that. Um, so yeah, so Aslan talks to her, tells her like, you, if you're thirsty, get a drink. He talks to her. He explains to her kind of what's going on. They get into the signs, and does does he explain to her the whole Rillian thing yet, or does he just kind of give her the signs and says you need you're gonna have a mission? So, so he just he just told her that that her job was to find the lost prince okay that, that's yeah, pretty much that's it. it okay yeah i couldn't remember like i said when i was listening to it that part in my thing i got messed up while i was working and i know i meant to go back and listen to it and i forgot to anyway yeah. so she has she has the list of i think it's five signs four four, four. four signs yeah. and aslan teaches them to her can you name it? has Either her hang on just okay. let me <laughs> has her um memorize them and repeat them back to her until they're completely memorized um the first one is he's going to meet somebody he recognizes yeah the first the first person help. he sees will be an old friend and he needs to speak to him immediately. right the second one is they need to travel north to the city travel the, north to the city of the lost yeah and then the next the one is the ruined city of the giants the right? ruined city of the giants yeah. and then do what it tells them well the third the, one is the third what? is they're going to see writing somewhere in the city they need to do what the writing tells them okay and then the last one is 
whatever the person that swears by Aslan is the person they need yeah, to help. Yeah, the first basically. the first person that asks something of them in Aslan's name is going to be the missing signs. Yeah, and this see the signs is is probably one of the reasons I love this book the most, like allegory wise. Mm-hmm. And like I I hadn't I hadn't really listened to these in any form probably since before I went to college. So I just listened to the audiobooks here recently. Um, and it, it's, it is pretty amazing how much of a punch C.S. Lewis packs into these books. I mean, rel- relatively yeah. speaking for fantasy books, they're oh, pretty yeah. short. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like I've been working through the Wheel of Time and one there's 15 of those books and one of, one of those books is longer than all of the Chronicles yeah. put together, right? Um, but there is so much allegory and the reason I love this one the most, I think, is because of the signs. Mm-hmm. And the signs to me pretty clearly represents the Bible. Gotcha. Because it's it's commands that Aslan gives, and just the way he describes to Jill, um, you mm-hmm. need to say them when you go to sleep, mm-hmm. say them when you're waking up, say huh. them, and you need to memorize them. And he says, you know, when you're when you're up here with me, they're going to seem obvious and clear. Right, right. When you get to Narnia, you need to know them so well that even when it it's not obvious that mm-hmm. the sign these are the signs, mm-hmm. you know them so well that it's obvious. Mm-hmm. And he's, um, I wrote down a quote here. He says, pay no attention to appearances. Huh. Yep. And, you know, looking ahead, that, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But. And that's actually really good because I struggled, other than kind of the obvious ones towards the end, I actually struggled with coming up with the allegory in this one. Yep. And, and so actually, I never have thought about that. And I love, I love this one too because to me, it seems more true to life to us now. Because you think of in all the other ones, Aslan was right there. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm, you think of mm-hmm. um, um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, like yep. the, with Aslan, right? Yep. That almost that almost represents like like the like the epistles, mm-hmm. right? The disciples were with Jesus; they knew Jesus; they heard him directly. Yeah, and the same with um, Prince Caspian. But in this one, Eustace never even sees Aslan till the very end. Yeah, like not at all. Yeah, and Jill, when she talks to him, she doesn't even know who he is. Yeah, right. Um, and it's really brief, and then she sees him in a dream, and yep. that's it. Yep. They don't see him till the very, very end. Yep, and that's kind of how it is with us now, right? We don't, we don't necessarily see Jesus yeah. the way huh. they did, you know, way, way yeah. you see in, you know, all the the Pevensies saw him. Yep, all they had to go on was the science, right? Right, it's like us with God's word. Mm-hmm. We have God's word, and we know it's from Him, so right. it's true, right? But like with Eustace, he had to take all of it by faith. He yeah. never even heard yep. it. Yeah, and actually, it's really good because that was one of the other things I just kind of had as a thought was how the silver chair feels so much different yeah. in, in the passage of time. It's almost like you're moving, like you know, okay, we're moving, especially if you've read or listened to a bunch, you know you're moving towards the last battle, and you can kind of feel it, like Narnia's changing. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting how that is, and actually that fits really well with what you're saying. Yeah. But um, try not to get too bogged down here, so we'll keep moving. So I do just want to say one thing about yeah, that. Yeah, go, go ahead. it goes along with my theory of what the allegory is Mm -hmm. it reminds me of pilgrim's progress not that it's an allegory of pilgrim's progress because then it would be an allegory of an allegory but it's the same concept of christian going through pilgrim progress ish yeah like going through life and he gets distracted like you said like it's it's relevant to us today Mm -hmm. like we get distracted by the things of the world and right whatever and but I always, it makes me think of that, like really hard mm-hmm. things they have to go through the whole time. Like yeah. nothing good ever happens. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how Philip's <laughs> progress yeah, is the, to the, me. The, the, the over, like the tone of this is completely different. Right. Like each book kind of has like a tone. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, 
um, the first one. Um, oh, blank. Magician's the nephew. Magician's nephew. It's like it's kind of like you know, like 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 new beginnings, right? right. Everything's fresh right. and new. Yep. And then the Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe. It's like it's like it's like magical, like wondrous, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's winter time, it's like everything's like right. You know, I'd say then, I would <clears> say it's probably the most magical of all the books. Yeah, it's like Prince, the one Prince Caspian, that catches it's flack. Like, it's like that feeling of like you had an amazing experience, right? They, they lived their whole lives there and then they come back and it's that feeling of like anticipation, like, mm-hmm. oh man, we're back in Narnia, mm-hmm. right? And the whole thing's like that. Uh, and Horse and it, his boy. Horse and his boy is just a cool story. Yeah, it's right? just fun. Yeah. And then um, Voyage of the Don Treader is like an adventure. Right. Right. There's kind of That's adventure, literally, adventure, it's, adventure, it's adventure. It's just adventure. like, yeah. boom, it's this rapid one, fire. This one, it's, it's a lot different. It's much, almost like darker and grittier mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and yep. like in my mind's eye, I always pictured it's just like overcast the whole time. Yes, right? exactly. Oh, me not, too. Yeah. Like even though it was winter and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's, you pictured like the sparkling, you know, yep. snow in the trees winter. Yep. This is like the, like the bleak, harsh winter. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. And every, everything goes bad for him. There's none of the fanfare that they have in the rest of them. Right. Like getting ahead of ourselves. But like, like in all the other books, like the humans are the most important people. Right. Right. They're the kings or the queens. They're going mm-hmm. to be. Or, you know, they're very important people with them. Like, Eustace and Jill never even get recognized, like, no. at all. Which, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but... And I was thinking... Like, there's no fanfare. In this I was one. thinking about that today, listening to parts of it. Eust- at the end of this book, Eustace and Jill both have still never seen actual Narnia. Eustace was on the boat the first time he went, the whole mm-hmm. time, in yeah. the ocean. And this time they were in the underworld the whole time. Like, yeah. neither right. of them yeah. have actually I mean, ever were, been in Narnia. They were, like, Narnia. briefly in Care Paravel, but, like, only yeah. very briefly. Right. I think for just basically an evening. And then yeah. the owls take them yeah. to yeah. Which, is, which is where we're at right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Aslan blows Jill to Narnia, and she arrives and immediately kind of just starts, like, rattling off, like, Da, 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 da. Damn, Typical girl. So cool. Um, and she's like talking to Eustace, and Eustace is like kind of annoyed with her. Like, you almost killed me. What were you thinking? <laughs> and then he's like, Would you shut up so I can listen to what's going on? And then I think it's like they're kind of going back and forth. And then all of a sudden she remembers, Oh, like, oh, there's a sign. And you need to talk to the first person you saw. And he's like, I only just got here. I, I don't know anybody. Okay. And this is one thing that always confuses me. So Aslan told her that he would, the first person he would see, he would know. But, like, he didn't recognize Caspian at all. It was like, I, I mean, Nicole talked about Like, was Aslan wrong? Like, how do you, well, like, it kind of always is. I don't think he said he would know him. He said the first, just person, first person he sees, he sees will be an old friend. I got you. literally what Aslan said. And he was like, I don't. I which, like is, the, which is why Jill needed to, this is, Aslan even said, I need to hurry and send you because he needs right. to know this. And then, which is kind of why it's annoying because the second she lands, she, like, starts talking, 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 instead of saying, Eustace, I saw Aslan. He told me the very first person you see, you need to go talk to. And instead, she like flutters about and right. doesn't be quiet. Well, yeah, so I mean, she's, she's overawed with everything that's right, going on. Right, right. Which, I mean, it's just, again, is human. Like, but, that's but just. As the last thing Aslan told her was remember. Like, literally, has West, right. his last words to her was remember the science. Mm-hmm. That was her one mm-hmm. mission. And she, on her journey there, she completely forgot. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they land in Narnia and the king sets sail. The owl starts talking to them and takes them to the Lord Regent, who is Trumpkin. And good old Trumpkin, <laughs> good old Trumpkin but he's definitely than a post and getting senile. I love um, how you can still like tell it's him. Yes. Like, okay, so I was gonna say classic him lines, even though it's the girl's so a bill. 
Well, useless. That's, useless. That's, that's the line I quote the most. <laughs> useless. <Yeah>. Useless. <laughs> well, yes, he is. But blah blah blah. I don't know what he says. I don't know if you can pull the quote um, and read it once you find I dare it. Dare say he is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So he and he's kind of a doddering old dwarf too. Um, and of course, they the owl Trumpkin and all them kind of tell him what's going on. They go back to the castle. They go to the feast, and that's where useless. Well, they, yeah. They 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 explain the first person they meet is the owl. Right, and he explains them what's explain, going on. They explain everything to the owl, and then as they're as they're talking to Trumpkin, the owl's like. Oh, that's right. Yep. The owl's like, actually, no, don't. Don't tell him. First the, first, the owl got Trumpkin. But he's like, but it's early in the evening for him, right? Which is early in the morning. Right. So he's like, oh, my brain's clearing up. Um, Yeah, don't don't, don't talk to Trumpkin. Right. I'll, I'll come and see you later. Yeah. So then they go, they get fed. They're in their rooms. Useless at this time is relating how. Useless. Do you have, do you have <laughs> Did it? Did you call him useless? What? Did you just call him useless? Did I? <laughs> it sounded like it. Eustace. <laughs> yeah. But okay. actually, actually, in the books, they're never called by their first names. They're called by Pole and Scrub. No, really? It's because of their school culture. Which yeah. It's just interesting, oh, yeah. too, because this this book explains why Eustace was the way he was. Yeah, yes. Like, there's there's yeah. bits of it throughout where they're like, but they didn't know this because of the experiment house, which is the school. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, no, even Trump, Trumpkin calls them a, a son of daughter and a do- uh, son of Adam and a daughter of Eve. Uh-huh. And in the book, it says, but they didn't know what this meant because they never talked about Adam and Eve at the experiment house. That's funny. See, those are the little tidbits you miss when you like. I haven't read. I need to read the books again. I should just listen to them because it'd be the easiest way to go about it. All right. Anyway, we're getting really bogged down here in the beginning. We need <laughs> we need to roll. Um, so the owl comes to them. Oh, so Eustace expresses to Jill how like sad he feels because his old friend Caspian's a doddering old man, and the passage of time, all that. Um. So, oh, we need to talk a really quick. Explain what happened to the prince. Um, I mean, like that's kind of like yeah. So that, that we should have done that. That's, but, well, that's, well, that's, that's coming, what happens. Actually. So they oh, that's right. The they, owls they go do. to bed and yes. the owls come and get them. I'm sorry. To, I'm they go to the parliament little... of owls. Yep. So and the owls explain yep, the whole story. Yep. By night, the owl comes. So they're talking in the bedroom, and the owl comes and knocks on the window and take. Oh no, they've gone to bed. Yeah. The owl they're wakes asleep. them up and takes them to the par- parliament of owls. Owls, and at that time, um, oh, what's the owl's name? Glimfeather. Glimfeather. Glimfeather is talking to them, explaining to the owls what's going on, and they kind of have a, the dialogue. And another owl comes forward and tells the story of what happened. And basically, when the prince was a young man, young adult man, um, him and the queen, who is the daughter of the star, Ramondo's daughter, which another thing, it never says her name. So or does it in the books? It does in the movie. It never does in the books, but in the in the movie, in the Disney movie, they make up a name for her. It's Lillian Deal. Oh, okay. And actually, Douglas Gresham came up with the name because they wanted a name. Oh, really? So he came oh, up with that. That's kind of cool. But it's not. It's not in the books. Yeah, because that, that's something I noticed. Like they never mention her name at all. <laughs> yeah. They just mention her as the queen, the yeah, queen, or, the queen, the queen, or Romano's daughter. Yeah. So Caspian's wife, Romano's daughter, and the prince. Um, are out with a party. Caspian's not there. Um, and while they're out, the queen falls asleep. And and it also talks about how close the prince was with his mother. Like they're really in, and his mother were just like best friends. And during the time, the queen falls asleep. So the party kind of moves away to let her sleep. And so, I think it says so their gay laughter wouldn't wake her. 
And when they went away, a green snake, a green serpent, makes a point of it being green, came and stings her in the head. And she cries out. The whole party rushes over. Rillian tries to kill the snake, but fails, comes back to her mother. And her mother is trying to say something to Rillian, but can't and dies. I've always wondered what it was she was trying to tell him. I guess one thing that always fascinates me is it, like it makes a point of saying that she was trying to tell him something but couldn't and then died. I've always wondered what it was. Like, was it a warning? Did she know something? Or was it just a goodbye? Like, what was it? I mean, and again, it's something you can kind of read into. It's like one of those rabbit trails you can go down to read into. But I, oh, that's one thing I've always wondered is what was she trying to tell him? Yeah, who knows? But anyways, so moving on, she dies and then really and kind of sinks into this depression almost what it seems like to everybody else and he everybody thinks he's going out to hunt the serpent like every day which which he was initially right? initially yeah, he was so. um and he just starts going out trying to find the serpent and everybody thinks he's going out trying to find the serpent it goes on for months and months and drinian good old lord drinian he was a friend of Rillian, and he says to him like you know, my prince, you need to let this go. And he's like, well, I haven't actually been going trying to find a serpent. Will you come? And I think Drinian asks him, can I come with you? And he says, of course. They go out to, I think it says the Western Wilds is the way it explains where he's going. They come to the same place where the queen was stung. Yeah. And, and there. Drinian's like kind of surprised. Right. He choose to come to this place, but he says he's not, like he's over. He's like, right. I'm completely over that. Yeah. Yep. And when they go there, they see the green lady, if you will, and she beckons to the prince but then disappears. Yep. And it, it uses the same exact description. It says mm-hmm. she says green as poison. Yep, green as poison. A, it always says green as poison. Yep. And then the ver and Drinian actually wonders like, should I tell the king? Like what should I do? Well maybe I'll let it kind of work itself out. It says it doesn't want to be a tail bear. Right. And so he doesn't and then the very next day the prince disappears. And that's when Drinian goes to Caspian. And I love the exchange between Drinian and Caspian. And I think it's in the book. I mean, I'm sure it is. It's a little different yeah. in the book, is it? though, than the audio drama, yeah. But just the- but just how, like, he, he goes, Caspian says, my king, I've, I've completely failed you. And the king, like, says, I've already lost my wife and my son. I don't want to lose my best friend. I think I think he says I think in the book it says he's a he's a traitor right he says I've been a traitor yeah so I've been a traitor I think it does in the audio Caspian, too like Caspian I've been picks up a battle axe but doesn't doesn't go yeah. through with it yeah he tells him to like slay me because I yeah. betrayed you and he actually picks up an axe which, and charges him but then which another thing I think like they're the same age I I believe like at least that's the way Similar, I've always yeah. seen it in my mind's eye like from the Void of the Dawn Treader they're like the same age they they're they're yeah. almost like peer level Journey might one's be a, a little. King. A little, older. a little older, a little bit, but. but so, and there's another little detail too. When when they're at the pool, uh huh, it says specifically that Rillian stared at her like a man out of his wits. Yeah, I think is the word. Yeah, yeah. So he's almost bewitched, bewitched right. by her, which right. he does become because because Drinian Drinian wonders. Drinian kind of makes a connection in his mind of like, I wonder if this. I think I, you know. I think there's a connection between her and the snake, but somehow Rillian doesn't seem to. Right. It's just always weird to me because it, it is like you like everything about it's like so clear like even kind of 
which I understand like later on Jill and Eustace don't understand totally the backstory but when they meet the lady of the green curl right like how are they not putting this together right right always ears it's like what in the (laughs) world anyway so we're getting ahead of ourselves so the parliament of owls tells them that whole story and basically tons of people have gone looking for um really and but i think the king put finally put a decree like no i can't lose any more good people for my son and so nobody else is supposed to go trumpkin because of how faithful he is won't let anybody go even though they have the story of Aslan that Parliament Owls knows, okay, he's not going to let you, but we will help you get to somebody who will be your friend and your guide. They take them in the well, night. And they, and they, they kind of insinuate that they're going to help <laughs> until they mention where they're going. As soon as they mention the giants, all owls are like, <laughs> yeah, maybe... Uh, uh, we can't travel but yeah. at night. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> There's our excuse. excuse. But we'll take you to uh, Marshwiggle. <laughs> So they take them by night, and this is where I'll need you guys, actually, maybe Brendan mostly, because both of our, the CDs skipped on that episode, uh, that that chapter, so it yeah. took it out, and I just didn't have a chance to read the book. But they take them by night to the Marsh Wiggles Marshes. I don't know if there's a name for the Marsh Lands. I can't remember if there is. But it takes them there to Puddle Glum. I think it says that they go in and just go to sleep because they're so tired, and they wake yeah. up, and he's not in the house. Right. They go out and they see this guy who's basically half man, half frog, or however you want to explain it. Kind of like the fawns are man top, goat bottom. He's got like frog's feet, um, but he's a marsh wiggle is what he is. So they just call it the marshes. The marshes. Marshes. Yeah. But, and his wigwam. But yeah, so Puddle Glum, he, quick little backstory on Puddle Glum. When C.S. Lewis or when, I guess it was Douglas Gresham. Douglas Gresham was growing up. He, his mom married C.S. Lewis, Jack, is what he's known to be called. And the gardener was just this eternal pessimist, pessimist um, always grumbling. Oh, uh, it could be the best day. And he would be saying, oh, it shouldn't, it'll rain later. I shouldn't wonder or whatever. And that's where the inspiration for Puddle Glum came from, which I love how C.S. Lewis did that. He took like super relatable personalities you can feel and then inserted them in a character that fits that personality and created this character that fits that type of personality. It was, it's just masterful. Um, but they meet with Paroglom. He agrees to take them or kind of just like does. And he's kind of griping and grousing the whole time. I love how his favorite thing in the world seems to be his tinderbox. Yeah. <laughs> he's always talking about my tinderbox. <laughs> Every, like he's complaining well not complaining he's just like he's the eternal just grousing yeah. right about everything and that's kind of like his his main trait which drives Eustace nuts to the mm-hmm. point where Eustace is like fine me and me and Paul will just go by ourselves yep. so like, you can stay yep. like if you think everything's going to be so bad yep and then then Jill's like no shut up you idiot <laughs> we need him to come <laughs> and then then uh, Paul comes like don't you worry Paul of course I'm coming yeah so yeah. but they go but, he, but yeah, he acts like he's like unexcited about yeah. everything but that's that's just who that's he just is. the way he is which and, which plays into it later on right right so they go they start just immediately out um they go from there just into the wastelands they kind of just keep traveling on i don't think anything happens until they get to the valley of giants right that's right. kind of so the next yeah, thing they, they cross so they're headed north right so right then Wastelands, I yeah. think, is the they're wild already, wastelands. They're already right. north in Narnia, but now they're headed like farther north out yep. of Narnia. So they cross the river Shrivel, yep. which I, I think I think is I the think border. is the border. 
So they enter into, yep. Yep, so they enter the wastelands. They're going through this, like, valley, and they're, like, kind of talking about how, oh, those things over there, that could be a giant's head. and Or, I mean, that could be a giant rock. And those things that look like bird's nest could be the head. And then... If they're, if they're really ugly giants. Right, really. And then Puddlegum's like, those are giants. Well, one of, yeah, one of them moved. Yeah. So then they start throwing rocks at each other, which basically, like, picture this valley, and there's giants on both sides. And they're throwing... Or no, they're on... They're playing a game. Yeah, they're trying to hit something on the other side. And while they're throwing rocks, it's basically they're going through the middle of the valley and there's rocks flying all around them. And they're like really, it says how they're really bad aim because they're really dumb. And they start hitting each other and then they start like clubbing each other and fighting. And then it talks about how they're crying. And then when they're miles away, they can still hear them crying behind them. (laughs) Boo-hooing. And that's another thing. I love the narrator. He does such a good job of painting the picture in your mind, like making the noises, making the voices different people and expressive he's really good um so they go through the valley of the giants and then i think the next thing they get to is the bridge yeah it takes them 10 days after yeah so it's just a lot of travel yep and which in i know this so it reminds me in some ways of the lord of the rings like how there's a lot of travel i know it's totally different but in in some ways like that like just how they're just traveling they're they're working to get to somewhere right and 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 the think, feeling I of travel. That's, that's part of the picture that C.S. Lewis is trying to paint. Like they're, they, she talks about how cold it is. You know, they're they're low on food, so right, all right. they're eating are, is these like fowl that they shoot. Right. That are, that are messy and yep. they're they're freezing cold all the time. It's starting to snow. Yep. And I and think they're just they're just slot. They're just grinding out. This right. Journey. And I think it's starting to talk about how Jill. Is, I think in the book it, it says it more about how Jill is slipping in saying the signs every not, night not yet not yet is not it yet. is it after they cross the bridge it's after they cross okay the bridge. oh yeah that's right because the yeah it's so after yes get... and i'll get so they get to the river and it's in this huge gorge and they can see it like it's basically like sheer cliffs and then a untressable river but then they look upstream and they see this bridge it's a giant's bridge it's crumbling i love how puddle glom is like oh it'll probably disappear when we're in the middle of it <laughs> Or like he's like it's a it's a right. and, it's an enchanted bridge or whatever. And and, and so all the time C.S. Lewis slips in that Eustace gets ticked off at him. Yeah. yeah. Like, How come you always see the bad in everything? And again, right. that's gonna that's gonna play in later on. Right. He says, why couldn't it just be a proper bridge? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so they cross the bridge, and I think it talks about how they kind of get to it's a huge arch. It talks about how they kind of get to the crest, and then they can see the two horse and riders coming. So they finish crossing the bridge and Puddle Glum's like, God, just steady on, just keep going. And so the lady of the green kirtle, who's wearing a dress as green as poison, um, and then a man in dark armor who never speaks. It's just a suit of armor. Yeah, it's just a suit of armor, which I think it does say it's dark, I think. It's black. Yeah, black. They approach them. Jill just immediately kind of starts spouting off what they're doing. And Puddle Glum gets really frustrated with her and he like interjects he's like, I don't know who you are. Why am I gonna tell you stuff? Right. And that, like she praises yeah. him almost like she's manipulating him to try to get him to loosen up, like, Oh, you're so wise. You are so fortunate to have such a wise guide. Yeah. Um, so then he almost gets a little more not really, but he they become so they kind of talk back and forth. And at this time, um, the lady of the green kirtle tells them, Oh, go to Harfang. They're 
friendly giants. They'll give you a warm bed and they'll feed you and all this stuff. First, they say they're looking for the oh, that's right. And And she's she's like, like, "Well, that's weird. Never heard of such a thing." Yeah, yep. But I know where you could go. Yeah. So then she she tells them, "Oh, you should go to Harfang. There are warm beds, warm food. They're friendly giants. They love that." So she's totally starting to and this is where you start to see what i mentioned before that their focus is changing they're so miserable right. they've been out there traveling sleep, sleeping on the cold ground it's starting to snow it's getting really hard and she's playing to their emotions right. to their human emotions right. and all that them. yep and so from there the rest of their travel all that they can think about is getting to harfang right and um I think after she leaves, Puddleglum starts grousing about her, and Eustace is like, "I thought she was perfectly splendid," and it kind of reminds me of uh, how Edmund was with the White Witch, <laughs> how like she completely, totally got the the Eustace and Jill on her side, and they're advocating for what she wants to do, and Puddleglum doesn't like it, but at the same time he's like, "But you know, I'm gonna stick with you guys, even though I." don't think right. it's a well, good he was, idea he was he was dead against going there right from the and beginning both like, both uh, both uh, you know eustace and jill are like you know they're kind of leaning their way and then and then puddleglum makes this statement about like how the guy didn't talk and how it could just be a suit of armor and that's when eustace just like flips he's like <laughs> dude you're such an idiot forget you me and jill are going you can do what you want right so but if they had not gone at all like puddleglum wanted I don't know that they would have found the ruined city either, because it was well, I mean, right they were, near. They were Harfang. headed in that direction. Yeah, they were headed already north. headed. They were they're almost there. Yeah, so they would have found it. Because I think it was only like a they day would have found or two. It, but they but they, they would have found it, but they would have been distracted by uh, yeah Harfang. Right, so that's the whole thing, that. because that's the next part of the story. So they're they're traveling mm-hmm. north still, right? And it says all they all Jill and Eustace can think about is is Harfang and getting warm, mm-hmm. right? And they were. Were, this is when she stopped. Right, they were they were they were kind of content. Right, it was kind of an adventure before, but now now they're just completely right. miserable because all they can think about is right. warm meals and yeah. This and this is when Jill starts to slip. Starts to slip, and that that's what Aslan warned her. Aslan mm-hmm. warned her, look, mm-hmm. you have to know these so well that even even when you're distracted by other yep. things, you'll still recognize them. That's exactly right. what happens. Right, and the the queen kind of um, represents distraction. Mm-hmm. And it, and it manifests itself in different ways, mm-hmm. right? Rillian right. was distracted from, you know, avenging his mother. Which, if you mm-hmm. think about it, it's, it's horrible. He ends up being a slave to the person right. who, who murdered the person closest right. to him. Right, right, which is which is a great picture for yeah. life, you know? Yeah. And then Eustace and Jill are distracted by just pleasures, mm-hmm. right? Right. And just tough, they're in tough times, which it's understandable, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. put yourself in their shoes. I mean, I would have probably right. done the exact same thing. That's why it's so relatable. But they, they, they got discouraged by the hardship. Right. And when the, the, you know, the evil offered them distractions, they, they bit onto it. Yep. So yeah, they progress from there towards Harfang and it gets progressively worse and worse. And they end up in this really rocky area. And I think they see the lights. Yes. They see the lights, right? Yes. And I don't think quite yet. They they get they get I, the, like, I think it says they it's do. like a it says it's like a table land. Like they go up like a series of, of cliffs and then they're on a table land. I I and think then they and then they 
then um, Jill falls into right. a ditch. Well, I thought they saw the lights right before that she falls in the ditch. Maybe not. It doesn't really matter. She falls in the ditch. They ask her, like, where does it go? Maybe we'll get out of it. It's snowing. It's really cold. Yeah. They're like, well, maybe this will take us. And she's like, well, no, it doubles back on itself, which is key in a little bit. And that's, I think, when Puddleglum says something about how, like, well, what about the signs? And that's when Jill blatantly says, forget the signs. All I want to do is yeah. get to Harfang. So I, think, I, think, I don't care I think anymore. Right, right when her and Eustace get out of the ditch is when they see the lights of her. Yeah, and I think that's where... They, they'd they seen him that? already, yeah. Because okay. yeah. I think they're working towards him when she right. falls in the ditch. And that's, that's why they're like so distracted. Like in the distance. But, right, yeah. that's why they're so distracted. Yeah. Because they, they even commented, I think Puddleglum even made a comment about how straight some of the cliffs were mm-hmm. at one point. But they're, they're so focused on Harfang that they ignore mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, that harkens back to what Aslan said, because Aslan said, yep. the signs aren't going to be obvious. He said, pay no attention to appearances. Right, right. But they're, they're so distracted, and Jill forgot the signs, so mm-hmm. that wasn't foremost in her head. Right again, painting that picture of, of God's word needs to be right. implanted yep. in your brain, because when you get into life, you know, things are so distracting. Right. And the evil one's going to tempt you with the things, you know, that appeal to you most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were distracted by the lights and missed the signs. Right? Yep. Yep, and then that's when, you know, Puddleglum does confront her, and she's like, I don't even care anymore. Yep. They make a run for, uh, do you have something? Oh, I was going to say, also, he even says, like, it seems to me that this flat place and this hill is worth stopping to look at. And right. they're like, no, right. yeah, that's don't, what just he was, keep going. Like, right. Be quiet, we're almost yep. there. <laughs> Which, again, in a little bit, he'll say that again once they're on the inside. So they make yep. it to the city of Harfang. They pound on the door. The porter is more than happy to let him in. <laughs> sort of the little, the funny little uh, time where Puddle Glum drinks all the whatever yep. it is, <laughs> gets soused. And like, and like, froggy. A, like initially, like initially, the porter is kind of like skeptical. Mm-hmm. But then, one of either Jill used to say, you know, we were sent by the Lady of the Green Kirtle to be for your for your autumn feast. Yep. And I think Jill they, does first. And then yeah. it says, like, they both burst out laughing. Like, yeah, of course you can come in. <laughs> yeah, I think Jill talks to him first. They go in. The one porter goes off to tell the king and queen. The other porter stays with them, gives Puddle Glum the alcohol. He gets all, because he's always so, like, he gets juice. He's such, such an Eeyore, and now he's, like, all giggly. Um, <laughs> it's just funny. You keep calling him a frog. Yeah, froggy. So then they go Respect before the king. The wiggle. <laughs> Respect the Bibble Wiggle. <laughs> Respect the Bibble Wiggle. Anyway, so they go before the king and the queen. And this is where Eustace talks. And they kind of just get in way over their head. They're telling them, the Lady of the Green Kirtle sent us for your autumn feast. Can we stay? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, of course. And oh, you're so cute. And all this stuff. Come and take them to their bedrooms where they can sleep and be warm and all this stuff. So they give them lodging. They go to the rooms. It talks about how it's from the Jill's perspective at this point and talks about how the big uh, nursemaid is bringing her in all these stuffed animals and she's in a human-sized bed. Uh, The snow has turned to rain in the night and she goes to bed and in the night she has what is later a dream. She realizes a dream, but she thinks she wakes up in the night and the rocking horse is rocking and then it turns into a lion and then it turns into Aslan. Aslan talks to her and, and gets her back on track with the signs and brings her focus back to it. But then she wakes up like it was just a dream. But yet her, it's just still in her mind. 
she doesn't remember it like initially no. when she wakes nope, up. It's, she doesn't. Right. So she then Eustace and Froggy come into the room and the three of them are talking back and forth and they go over and Eustace is like, oh, you've got a window seat. They climb up on the window seat and they look at the window and they immediately see the city that's ruins and they see that it says under me. And instantly they realize we messed up. They have like the whole moment of reconciliation of like we we messed up we were totally focused on getting here we were wrong i think eustace and jill apologize to puddle glum puddle glum even says i'm a fool because i even thought that it was probably a city and he says i should have been able to stop you like a man like me could have stopped you both with one hand <laughs> um they talk and they start to devise a plan to escape and so and so they they see the words under me right and they realize that they missed the the second and third signs right out of the four yeah so they think they think at this point they've blown three out of the four signs right which i mean in their minds you almost got to be thinking is it even worth going on at this point right right Right. they've they've totally blown three out of the four so i mean but but yet they still resolve they're like okay we've got to figure out a way to get out of here right and they start to plan and they're like okay the audience feast is tomorrow let's try to start to lull them into complacency and maybe we can find like an open door and escape um, this is the, my favorite Puddle Glum line. It's which, when he's like, we have to like be really cheerful. Like me. Watch me. I've noticed you guys yeah. are very cheerful. Yeah. So watch me and do what I do. Cheerful's the word. Yeah. It's like oh, the that's best not, part. That's, that's not the word they say, but yeah. it's, a, it's a good replacement. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they go, the king and his party, his entourage, go out on a hunting party. And they're in the dining hall, basically, the kitchen or whatever. And they're eating, and there's a group of old giants over in the corner. And all of a sudden, Puddle Glum is like, "Stop eating right now! We're eating a talking stag," because the old giants are joking, making light of it. And Jill doesn't completely understand, but Puddle Glum and Eustace are like, "This is like abomination of abominations for a Narnian to be eating a talking creature." Um. Yeah, and this this is this is kind of the first um, hint that they get that these giants, like this whole situation, might might be worse than they thought. Because I mean, the 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 lady in the green colonel painted that to be like you know these gentle giants, they're intelligent. Right. Like those right, you right. saw those stupid giants back there. Like these are the opposite. Right. And it, and this is kind of the first inkling that they get. Maybe the situation's worse than they thought. Right. And then at this point, they're like, they're like, like the giants knew it was talking. Oh, yeah. Because, because yeah. they said. Yeah, they said, like, don't eat me. I'm tough. That's right. what the stag said before yeah. they, they killed him. So, um, the, so the whole situation gets more urgent. Right. People are like, oh, right. we need to find a way now. It's like, and we, then, need, we need to get out of and here. And then in a couple of minutes, becomes even more urgent because they, they go into the kitchen. They feign like they're talking. They're kind of waiting around. And there's an old because, cook because in the Jill, kitchen. Because Jill finds out that there's a door in the kitchen right. to get out. So right. They think, okay, yep. that's the door we need to get out of. So, so they figure, okay, we'll hang out and here. And also, another little tidbit is, as as Jill has been going around, because Jill's kind of the hero of this part, because she gets all this information. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So she keeps going up to all the giantesses and like, like acting like she's a little kid, right? Because they're treating right. her like one. And as it says like they all like every person she talks to, like they start like tearing up and saying like, <laughs> oh, it's really too bad. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of wonder like, what? Okay, well, it's kind of weird. But. Yeah. And and they, they so they're waiting for the one old giantess to fall yeah, the, asleep the cook, <laughs> the cook. 
and doesn't seem like she's going to. So they're, I think at this point, she's like dozing off and they climb up on the table and they're reading the cookbook. Yeah, Jill, Jill does. And it says, man. And it gives like this description of like, when cooked just right, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a specific delicacy it's a, it's a of delicacy. the autumn and it's feast. A de- yes, that's what I'm going to get yeah. to. It's a delicacy of the autumn feast. And then right on the next page over is Marsh Wiggle. It's alphabetical, so next is Marsh Wiggle. <laughs> which just, they don't even recommend just, eating. Yeah, it's stringy. Did, extremely <laughs> tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. It tastes, I think it says tastes like dirt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they realize, okay, we've like really got to get out of here. And right then... The giantess like is completely asleep, so they're like, "All right, this is our only chance. Let's go!" And they just book it for the door, get out. They're making it across the the gap between Harfang, like the open space between Harfang and the old ruined city. And at this point, the king's hunting party starts to come back, so they just make they hightail as fast as they can to the ruined city. And it talks about how they're running and the dogs are coming after them. And all of a sudden, Puddleglum just like darts to the side left right whatever I don't remember for sure all of a sudden he just veers off and they're like oh well where's he going and he dives in a hole in the ground and just how he like randomly just saw it and went and jumps in this hole in the ground and they board it up so the dogs they like build up so the dogs can't get them and they just start crawling down can't see anything I love how they just left Jill in the dust like it specifically says how she was <laughs> really? she had a hard time running <laughs> like, in her dress yeah and like she was a full minute getting to that <laughs> crevice in the rock really? behind him like nice I, I didn't realize good it. job guys <laughs> see you see you jill you screwed she made up it, but <laughs> forget you but they make it and then this is where puddle glum is like oh no i've lost my tinder box right. well they, they fall down the landslide <laughs> yep and it says they just they just like it makes it sound like they'll fall for a long time yeah they go way yeah. down yep and they and puddle glum even says like do you feel how warm it is yeah like we've gone a long way and they know they know there's no way they're going back up. Yeah, no and they I think they also kind of realize okay we've we've gone under we've done what it said yeah. so we've yeah. got to keep going. Yeah, I think Puddle Glum says that like we yeah. we at least hey at least we're on the mission yeah. we're yeah. on the mission Jill, again. Jill Let's and Eustace go. are freaking out, but then Puddle Glum's like, well no we're we actually we actually finally have right. completed one of the signs. You know, right. Iceland's on our side. Yep. So they start so they start to go and they run into the earth men. Yeah, I think I think almost it's immediately. immediately. It, just, it just says a light just comes on. Or yeah. they hear a voice. They hear a voice. They hear a voice out of just like nowhere and all of a sudden light comes on. Which this voice actor is really good. Oh yeah, he does yeah. a really <laughs> good one. Yeah. Um <sighs> yeah. Like, eh. <laughs> Um but they basically tell them like you're in the underworld and those from up above that come down don't ever go back up. Yeah. What's, yeah, the, what's, which the, he, what's the phrase? I'm trying many, to think. What is he? What did he, he fall say? Down to the something, but few, but few, return, but few to return to the sunlit land. Yeah, that's uh, all they say. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and Puddlecone's like, well, you're a chap of a lot of, of few words or whatever. So they the the Earth men take them, and he's like, okay, we're gonna take you to. I think he says we're gonna take you to the queen, right? Or does yeah. he just say? I think he does. Like they take them, they cross the huge lake or well, they, pond, they, they river, travel or whatever. For a long time right, first. they travel. It talks about how they go. I don't think it talks about it. Oh, I know it does. At one point, the the cave gets really, really narrow, and they have to go through this like little tiny space. And Jill like starts to panic. This whole part makes me panic because I'm so claustrophobic. I wouldn't have. <laughs> had, I wouldn't have been able to go through the crevice in the first yeah. place. I don't well, think. This is when Eustace is like, "Yeah, now, now you know how I felt on the cliff." Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and she's freaking out, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And uh, and Potoglum says, like, look, Jill, those huge guys are going in there. And would you really think they would go in if it doesn't get bigger on the other side? So they go in. They follow the the Earthmen. I mean, they don't have a choice. So 
this is when Cuddle Glove boat. starts to kind of be like really like the star of this part. Yeah. I think like yeah. he's actually encouraging through like, this whole part. He, well, he makes he makes the oh, silver yeah. chair. Oh like, yeah, and that's that's just his personality though. Like <laughs> like I I I totally relate to his personality. <laughs> like if you if you look at life like pessimistically, you always <laughs> expect the bad. The worst that can happen is that good happens, right? <laughs> that's that's if you're wrong, then good things happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the best way to look at life. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. Because um, if, you know... So, I mean, when, when everything goes bad, he's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I expected. Anyway, anyway, so. When things go great, you're excited that things go great. But he's steady, right? It right. shows... Joan yes. used to start, like, up and down. Yeah. He's just, like, he's just the same the whole yep. time. He's just steady. No matter what happens. Yep. He's yep. the same. Yep. And so they go, they get in the boat, and they cross, they go across the water, which, again, it, it expresses that there's this huge passage of time. Yeah, so it's just it's a long, it takes they, a they long wake time. Up, they wake up in the dark, and then they fall asleep. And it says they can't even remember how many times this happens. But they yeah. wake up, and they're traveling, and they fall asleep. Yeah. But before they get in the boat, mm-hmm. they see all those creatures under oh, there. Oh, yeah. And Father yeah. Time. Oh, that's, that's right. Father really Time. Father Time is there. Yep. Part, I forgot about yep. that. Which that'll come into play big time. Where did time. he come from? It. He was once a king in the Overland. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't think they say That's, that. In... But all they do is just, they give him the same line. You yeah. call <laughs> Yeah. You return yeah. to the Sunland. <laughs> yeah. Many, many come down, but few return to the Sunland. Yeah. Land. few return to the <laughs> But yeah, so they go, they finally get to the palace and talks about how there's a huge harbor, all the ships and stuff, and they take, two of the Earthmen take... Or no, they're just they just have them in Rillian, who they don't know it's Rillian at the time. The the man in the dark armor calls down to them, Earthmen, bring them up here to me. I want I want companions to talk to. And he's like, Oh, I recognize they you. They were guys. about to take him to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so they, they dine with him, they eat. He's kind of bantering back and forth with them. They're saying, <laughs> like, why did your lady friend try to kill us? What was up with that? I think uh puddle glum. It kind of has a bone to pick with him because they, <laughs> they they find out that he was they find out that he was the guy in the black arm yeah. right right which uh, how do they not connect the dots at yes. this point of who I, is? like at the whole so time it's like oh this is, my this is goodness in what's a lot wrong of books, you guys like that happens but i mean but i think i think i think it's because we we have the perspective of we know all the characters are going to be there right like you think of, you think of like in, in like a scooby-doo episode <laughs> right, you know, you know that one of like the three other characters they introduce is gonna be the bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they pull off the mask, it's like you know it's gonna be one, right? You can always right. figure out who it is, right? And it's the same in books. Like you know the character is gonna show up eventually. You don't know that in real life, right? So I mean, how could they know that like the first human that they would meet would be the prince? Like the odds are crazy, right? But even at the beginning, when they're in the Parliament of Owls, and they tell the whole story about the serpent that kills the queen, and then about the beautiful lady yeah. that takes the prince and Jill says, I bet they were the same. The serpent and the lady were the same. Right. Like she put it together then, right. but yet she sees a right. lady and, in green and, and doesn't put it together. It's right. so frustrating. And, and, and the owls again had told them that when Rillian saw the queen, that he was like, he was in a trance. Yeah. 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 And they, they like comment about how weird this guy's act, like the way he laughs, like the way he talks. Like the way he talks about her, like it's really weird. Right. Yeah. Even at one point, um, he talks about how she's gonna make him the king. Like they say, they say, like, man, you're basically her slave. He's like, no, she's gonna make me like she's my everything. She's gonna make me a king. 
And like he even, was, even and now, the Earthmen are, and he kind of acts like a, a passage up right. to the kingdom, right? and he kind of acts like a lunatic. Like I, that's one thing always mm-hmm. strikes me is yeah. like the way he laughs, kind of hysterically yeah. so in they, between. They, like, like things. He, he grates on all these nerves because he's acting really weird. Yeah, and he tells them how you know they eat, and he's like, "Just so you know, there's going to come a point to where I'm going to have to be bound in a chair because that's then, when I go crazy." This is, this is one of my favorite lines, though. <laughs> See what I'm finding here. Um, so he's gonna when oh I keep going while you while you find it. And it talks about how, okay, you guys need to bind, when I'm bound in the chair, go in the other room when the Earthmen come in to bind me. But then when I start to go hysterical, come and be with me in my time of need or whatever. And so they like kind of reluctantly. He doesn't want to be left alone. Right. He kind of, they kind of reluctantly agree to it, but they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So they go, you find it. Yeah. So, so they're, he's telling him the story of how um, she's digging a passage up to the surface and they're going to burst out on a country and just take it over. And he's laughing about it. And Jill's like, I don't think it's funny at all. I think you're, you'll be a wicked tyrant. So then he's talking about, but I, I'm not going to be a wicked tyrant because she's going to be in charge and she's wonderful. So, uh-huh. And at the end he says, her word shall be my law even as my word will be the law of the people we have conquered. And Jill's like, where I come from, they don't think much of men who are bossed about by their wives. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he says, shall shalt think otherwise then when thou hast a man of thine own I warrant you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I totally that's gold I burst out laughing that's great stuff I love it Lewis has a great sense of humor. <laughs> uh, but yeah so then so he starts to go so another interesting thing I wanted to talk about at this part though because Rillian they don't know it's Rillian yet but he talks about he's telling all about her and how wonderful how wonderful she is and all of that and they were telling about how they went under that crevice and mm-hmm, it said mm-hmm. under me and he was like oh no that's an old quotation oh and, yeah that's right and my lady told me about it and they're like well Aslan told us to go under there and so he talks about her and says that she is of divine race and knows neither age nor death how she's an infinite being, basically. Okay, do yeah, we, he says do we need, Okay, do we need to address is this Jardis the White Witch? Oh, yeah, there's, there's, all there's, that. There's we need to talk about that right. right now. Because because Jardis ate of the ate of the tree, right? Which made right. her right. immortal. In which I may have to eat my words when I was like, no, Aslan killed her. They say something about it at the beginning too. The owls say Yes, the owls think, talk they about think, it. They say they think they think she was part of the same crew. Right. Yeah, so but which, she I don't know. says but that she's it, infinite. It's never here, which because she's other than okay. So the White Witch is never so. There's Jardis, who's referred to as Jardis. Then there's the White Witch that is only ever referred to as the White Witch, but everybody but you kind knows of it's, it's Jardis. Jardis. Yeah. Then the Lady of the Green Girdle, Kirtle. That's all that she's referred to. So is it all the same evil, right. wicked being? that is constantly doing this and is that also like it's yeah it's never it's never it's never or denied right yeah. and but then because then the villain in the horse and his boy like the evil being the horse and his boy is tash which then comes back in the last battle as yeah, really that's, that's like a picture of satan yeah. like but true picture but of it satan. Is interesting. but it's it's kind of the same vein of thought though but it's, it's interesting that that she's targeting narnia Right, like everyone's always targeting Narnia. Like Narnia kind of represents yeah. Israel in a way. Yeah. Like, why do people always target Israel? It's really right. weird. Right. Right. And and Jardis targeted Narnia. 
and the White now Witch targeting she's Narnia. targeting Narnia, right? Yeah, I don't know. So, it, or is it just C.S. Lewis using different characters as images of Satan, but and then there's just a similarity of like those three. I mean, they're, they're, are they they're demon? Evil. Like, yeah, yeah, just pure evil. I don't know. That's one thing that's just. I mean, there's kind of only two <laughs> options. Either they're the same, they're the same, or it's like the owl said, she's part of the same crew. Yep. And somehow in the in the time between yeah um the magician's nephew and the chronicles of Narnia, somehow Jardis kind of got like a group of of other demons women basically and trained them to be like her disciples. And she's like a disciple of Jardis. That's huh. kind of the only option. Yeah. But, it's interesting. But yeah. Anyway. It's, an, it's a fun it's a fun way, it's imagination trap. Yeah, but yeah, e- no matter what, it goes back to you know, C.S. Lewis painted such a connection between yeah, her and like and, he just and Jarvis, yeah. For sure. And and no matter what, when it boils down to it, C.S. Lewis just did such a good job of depicting evil, um, in his books. And I and I like how he left things like this. Like Nicole talks about how it drives her crazy. I like that he left kind of these open ended because he yeah. Oh, I, I love I, it I too. Feel, I feel like he purposely left yes. that kind of there to be. Talk, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was. I think it was just to be part, I think it was about. part of his genius in writing the Chronicles of Narnia, and because a lot of his open-ending thought, open-ended thoughts, they're not, they're not like plot flaws. Like they, right? They're, they're, not, they're not plot holes. No, they're, they're just imagination holes, is what they are, yeah. and they're just fun because then you can just allow your imagination to think down these paths of oh, okay, what if, what if, what if, and create your own picture of what it could have been, yeah. which is just awesome. Okay, so back to uh, back to the silver chair. Um, Rillian, or the man in the dark armor, they don't know it's Rillian yet, is tied up, and he's basically going into what he said before was going to be his crazy mind, his hour of delusion or whatever. Right. But it's he, actually... He, he told them he was enchanted. Right, right. But it's actually the hour when he's in his right mind, and he's telling them, and it's like, how are they not getting yeah, it? Like this, he's this basically is, is telling really them, like, guys, I'm really, and I'm really, and I, like, because he's basically he, he screaming them, at them. He told them he's enchanted, right? They at this point they know she's evil, right? Like they even figured out that she purposely sent them to be evil, right? Right. So right. They know she's evil, so there's this evil lady wearing green. Yeah. Which and, <laughs> and they and she's enchanted. She's in enchanted this dude or she's saying she's saying that she's the only one that can help this guy get out yeah. of his enchantment so how do you not connect the dots yeah. like but, point, but finally annoying. finally he says it finally he says the words in Aslan's name help well, me or whatever yeah so he, he says look you can either you, you can either go and go into the other room the earthmen come and they tie me up and normally the queen's here but she's mm-hmm. not here today mm-hmm. so he's actually like this is a rare night she's not here so like, you go into the other room they're going to come tie me up and then, you know, if you want to come back and watch, mm-hmm. I would appreciate it, but you don't have to. Right. So they decide to. Yep. And so, and then when he goes into his hour of when he's out of his mind, he's like constantly just saying like, I like, help me, help me. I'm trapped. Right. Well, the, the first, the first thing he says is, no, this is the, this, I'm actually in my right mind. Now. Right. They, like, I, like I probably, he says they, they probably, probably told they told you that, you that yeah. this is what I'm going to not. And he's like, I'm actually in my right mind. I need you to help me untie me and then finally yeah. he says he talks about, in the name of he, Aslan he talks about how I've, I've been enslaved how many years has it been right. like I've been enslaved right. has it been 10 has it been 100 right and how did there do they not does it not click <laughs> they just don't get it because, um, because then he says in Aslan's name and they're like 
Well, they make a pact, right? Because they make a pact with each other, no matter. Because he tells them, he tells them that he might beg right, them. He's right, like, I've been told right. that I beg you by everything you hold most dear to come here. So they make a pact. Okay, we'll go and watch, but whatever he says, we're not going to talk. Right. But then, promise. but then finally, he says in Aslan's name, and then they're like, "Well, that's the sign. What do we do?" And then finally, they and, they and do. Puddle, and Puddleglum says, "Look, he might kill us, but that's not the point." Right. The yeah. point is, this is Aslan's sign, and we need to do Clear's it. Clear as day. So no matter what he does to us, right? This we is, need it. We need it. It's another. It's another the... time. Like Puddleglum has a lot of like star moments in this chapter yeah. or chapters when they're in in the palace. Yeah. And he he does. He's just like, we've got to do it. No matter what happens, we've got to obey Aslan. It's one of the best lines, if you're thinking about the allegory, because Eustace says, mm-hmm. do you mean you think everything will come right if right. we do untie right. him? Mm-hmm. And Puddleglum yes. said, I don't yeah. know about that. You see, Aslan didn't tell Pole what would happen. He only mm-hmm. told her what to do. Yep. Right. Yep. Good it's line. just so cool. Okay. Where did those pr- pizza Pringles come from? They've been like, distracting <laughs> me this goodness. whole time. All right. I sorry. Sorry. Sorry, my bad, my bad. <laughs> so um, they untie him. He immediately grabs his sword, and they're kind of like, uh-oh. But then he <laughs> smashes the chair to smithereens and ends that enchantment because the chair was what was holding right. him. Right. And in. that's when he says, I'm really in. Right. He hadn't and then at yet. that point, and then they're like, oh, your highness, we've come to save you. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, you bunch of dubs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so they... Uh, they talk to him. They have the whole discourse of like what happened to him and they talk back and forth. They're all excited. And then who should walk in, but the lady, of the green kirtle, she's like all ticked off to see them. They're kind of like all mad at her. They have this like thing. And then that's where she kind of smooth talks them into having a discussion. Yeah, I mean, at first, at first she's like, she's obviously angry, but then she like turns on the charm. Right. And she throws the incense on which the fire. Is, which is what the white witch did with Eustace. Yeah. yeah. They just have uh, just saying. Edmund? I mean Edmund. Yeah. yeah. Edmund. I mean yeah, Edmund. Like, yep. Exactly the same thing. And even, yeah. even with first, Diggory. First smooth talk and then And, and, and then uh, Jardis did with Diggory in the Hall of Hall of uh, Images or yeah, whatever. Yeah, she sweet talked him and yeah. then. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Then turned to violence hmm. when that didn't work. Just saying. Women. <laughs> Um, so she puts the incense on the fire and basically it's messing with their minds. They don't know. They can't think straight. They're trying to tell her like reason with her, but she's like confusing them. They talk about how there's the sun and they made it up like, oh, you saw the light and you came up with the sun. Right. Oh, you she, came up with the she's, cat. She's, she's and, trying to persuade them that, right, that they're that crazy. Every, basically. Everything they think they know isn't true and that her kingdom is the only real kingdom. Yep. And Which so again, it's, such, it's, it's such just, a great, it's, it's mind games. That's exactly it's, what Satan tries yep, to write. Satan, exactly. Satan tries to show yep. us, no, there's no eternity. Yep. This is your life now, so just yep. enjoy it. No, my my world's the only. Yep, and, and they go through this whole thing. They're getting frustrated, but then Eustace and Jill are kind of buying into what she's saying, like just well, because Jill Jill has a great moment here, and I, I love that C.S. Lewis does. This is kind of Jill's redemption, because they're all falling under the spell, right? Because um, I think first they talk about the light. Is the light the first one they talk about? Mm-hmm. Yep, light really, and the lion. Because like. We need to see the sun again. She's like, what's this sun you're talking about? So Rulian's like, well, you know, look at the light on the ceiling. It's like they have a big... And she's like, there's no light, right? And then they're all like, well, there is there is no sun. They're like, yeah, there is no sun. But then Jill says, but there's Aslan. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that C.S. Lewis does this because mm-hmm. Jill the whole time has been one the one, the biggest one that's been totally messing up. Right. But Jill, this is her this is her redemption yep. moment. She's the one that remembers Aslan. And, and when she because says her, Aslan's her mention name... Of Aslan, 
is is what got Potagon on fire down. And, and it's also the queen, or I keep wanting to say the queen. Yeah, she, the lady she of the green kind of kind of cool. loses her cool, kind of like what the white witch does when has right. first right. And she kind of gets irritated, like it, it agitates her. Yeah. And that's what gets Puddle gone fired right. up. And so he again, finally again, goes. Again, she, she convinces the rest of them. You know, you saw the light. You lying cat it, and, and lion. It the sun. And you've seen, you've seen cats. So you're just saying it's a big cat. But you're, you're just in this make-believe world. Right? But that gets. But her mentioning Aslan gets Puddle gone so fired up that he's like, look, even, even you call us a bunch of babies. And maybe, maybe we are just a bunch of babies making a makeup world. Yep. But even our made up world is like so much better than yep. your world. I think he said yep. beats your world all hollow or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And he goes over and stamps and out. Moment. Yeah, he stamps on the fire. Stamps out the fire. And that's when you figure out all the magic was in that smoke that's that coming incense, out of the fire. Yep. And, and like the, the smell of burnt marsh wheel isn't very magical <laughs> at all. <laughs> and that's also when um, the, the lady, the green kirtle, turns back into the snake. Right, so and so her, ensnares her, really. Her, her smooth talking enchantment didn't work, right? So immediately she turns evil. She turns into this snake. evil, evil serpent that it talks about how it throws its folds of its body around really, and, and it's trying to kill him. He catches the snake in the neck, and all I can picture is Fritz fighting with the snake on. Uh, oh yeah, Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> like I can picture it in my mind because yeah. that's like you, the snake fights <laughs> yeah. with him there. <laughs> And you can picture him battling with like the because a snake is like its whole body is one muscle, and but yet he manages to get his sword arm free and he starts hacking at the head. Well, they used this and used this. Yeah, so I was gonna say useless wax at the snake almost exactly the way he hit the serpent. The serpent, yeah. yep. And yeah. um, <laughs> and the voyage of the Charter. Yeah. He says his, he does like nothing, but Puddleglum and the prince both get it in the neck. Right, and, and, it, and but I think it's super like. It happens so fast, but immediately Eustace and Puddle Glum rush yep. to the prince's aid, and immediately the prince like gets a hold of the neck, gets his sword out, and they they kill the snake. And at this point, um, so is, now it, is, is that is that <laughs> it's definitely dead? Um, then they they start to devise a plan of escape. Um, again, Rillian praises Jill because Jill's like, "Oh, I need to sit down," and he's like, "You are a maiden of." Uh, valor or whatever he high, says, high courage, high courage. Some, like, like but he, he basically just commends her, like, "No, you're you're a very strong girl, and we need to go." And he kind of praises her in that way. And then they make a plan of escape. They talk about how I think there's an explosion, and they see the light, the waters rushing towards them. So they realize, "Whoa, there's there's a change going on." And the Earthmen are like running all over the place. So they're and like, they "Okay." They started making noise. They'd, right, they were they silent. Never, yeah, this is the first. Yeah, and, and the prince is like, "I have never heard them talk like this yeah. in all the years I've been here." So then the prince is like, "Okay, let's go get the horses out of the courtyard, um, Snowflake and Coldblack, and let's just start heading out of here." Well, they, well, then he. He remembers the diggings. How the, the diggings, right? And he knows that she was close to the surface. So mm-hmm. let's just head there. Mm-hmm. Well, at least we know we're going up away from right. the flood. Because the, the waters were flooding. Right. The waters are coming. The and rising. they see this light and they think they think the earthmen are rioting and burning down the city. So right. I think at first. Right. So then they start to go. They're making their way. They're, they keep seeing the earthmen who are like sneaking around. They are like armed. And they puddle glum slips off at the at the prince's command and kind of captures one. Um, Gulg, Gog, Gog, never say his name. And they talk to him, and he's like, "Well, we thought that the lady was gonna, you guys were of the lady or whatever, blah, of the wicked queen, and they're gonna come." And he's like, "Nope, we killed her." And then they're like praising him, like, "Oh, you're the best! You killed the queen!" 
they and, realized they had been under an enchantment right, too. Right, yeah, they right, yeah. yep. And they're and the chism is there, um, and so they're leading them toward. They they get him to lead them towards the diggings. I'm kind of I'm kind of rushing through a lot here, but they they start going towards the diggings, and he's like, okay, this is as far as I'm going, and I'm going into this the schism to go back to bism bism, um. And and this is where the prince is like, oh man, I could have the opportunity to go somewhere. No Narnian is gone. And Eustace is like, if my old friend Reepicheep was here, he would say it would be wrong for us to uh, having the opportunity to not. But then Puddle Glum and Jill are like, you can't. We've got to get out. And Puddle Glum is like, we need to get out of your lake right now or he's going to make a really bad decision. But then the whole tabism starts to close and they're like, okay, the Earthmen keep going, and then they. It talks about how from there it almost gets like really quiet, almost kind of like kind of goes back into the gloomy atmosphere a little bit of like ah, oh, there's plodding along. The lights are starting to get dim. It's getting narrower, and narrower, and narrower, and they just plod along until they get to where yeah. the wall. It's pitch black. They're at the wall, and they could see I think a glimpse of light. Yeah. So all the all the lights go out like right. slowly. So the like lights the right. Periodic- out. And, and, yeah. and I love how Puddleglum's like... And then they're hitting their head. Yeah, Puddleglum's like, well, of course they're going to go out. Whatever's keeping them light can't go burn on forever. <laughs> like, he's so practical. But going back a little bit... Yeah, go ahead. Just with the whole Bism thing. Like, I, I love this, too. Because you you figure out that, like, everything's focused on Rillian, right? And Rillian was enchanted. And that's the reason they were sent, was to, to um, save Rillian. Right. But really, they ended up saving way more than Rillian. Right, like they they saved a whole people. Right, like, and, and Jill like, says like, that. Like all these all these people from Bism were just as enchanted as Rillian was, just in a totally different way. Right, they right. Were just as much slaves as Rillian was. And right, I just love this picture of Aslan too. It's like why didn't why didn't Aslan call them years sooner? Like why why did mm-hmm. he do this? Right, like you you don't understand Aslan's plan. Right, like, why did he do it this way? Right, but then you figure out like Aslan's plan was so much bigger than just saving Rillian. Right, he right. sent them. They ended up saving a whole people, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Um, and again, it's just in life. Like we, we don't understand God's plan, right? And it, it reminds me of Joseph. Like, why did, right. why did it all happen to Joseph? Well, he ended up saving a whole people yeah. alive. Yep. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, and even no, it's so cool. Even even the way they they messed up so many of yeah. the signs. Yep. Right. In the end, um, with Aslan's help, they end up doing it in right. a way that seems right. so bizarre. But Aslan still worked it out for good, and then right, doing right. It. It, it, it's just such a cool picture. Yeah, and Jill even mentions like, "I'm so glad that we're able to save all these people." Yeah, with the prince, like it wasn't just a mission. F- it didn't end up me- being just a mission for one. It ended up being a mission for all. Right, and that and that people. wasn't an accident. Like when you realize that that was part of Aslan's plan. Like that's right. such, that's such a cool picture of Jesus. Like, <laughs> like God's plans are so much bigger than we even realize. Yeah, like, no, we, it's we so have cool. No idea. You know, we, we think we're doing this and God does this for this reason. We have no idea how many people mm-hmm. that's really affecting. Right. Yeah. If you just if you just do what Jesus tells you, if you just follow mm-hmm. the signs, you know. Yep. It's amazing what God yeah. can do. I, I love that picture. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah, so they make it to the wall. They see the light. This has always confused me. So they hold Jill up. She's on Puglum's shoulders. And she gets hit in the face with a snowball. Right. And then <laughs> she, like, tumbles out. Or does she get pulled? They pull her out. Does she get pulled out? Like, well, it always kind of she, like, she like waves them over, and they help her out. But like I can never picture. I guess 
Like, so they, they, say, they... they say it's in a hillside. Okay, so that makes so more they, sense. They, it's almost like they, a cave opening. Right. So they were they okay. were gonna punch through and it'd okay, be like a okay, cave that makes a that makes sense now. Yeah. So I was trying to picture it in my mind, and I was like, I don't understand. Like, how does she like? I don't, like, she's here, but then okay, but that that makes sense. But yeah, so the Narnians find them. I think it, it they they like stumble on a snow party. Yeah. Like they're the having first, the snowball the first big, fight. The first big snow of the. Yeah, and they're having like a like a festival almost. Yeah, the first the first big snow of the year they do the snow dance. Yep, the snow dance. So they have a festival, and yeah. so they they come out. They take the somebody. Does it say who takes the prince to Care Paravel? But then Eustace, Jill, and Puddleglum stay back to rest, or they all stay back well, to they, rest. They, they find that out in the morning, right? But yeah, they, they just it's just late at night. They're all tired, so they eat and go to sleep. Yep. And then in the morning they wake up. They, the wake morning, up they find out that really just gone. Already gone. Yep. And then Puddleglum stays. They, they sent for yeah. Caspian. So and Puddleglum. Caspian saw Aslan. Which yeah they yeah, found yeah. Out. yeah. Aslan, Aslan, turned Aslan, him Aslan turns him around. Yeah. He goes yeah. back and says you'll find your son when you get back to Narnia. Right. So Relian's gone. He's on his way to care Paravel. They wake up. Jill and Eustace centaurs. Which it talks about how great honor that was for them to ride centaurs. But actually, I ended up being really uncomfortable. Um, because nobody would think dare to put a saddle on a centaur. But then Puddle Glum, they say their goodbyes to Puddle Glum yeah. here, and it's so like he like he's actually like super, like it's kind yeah. of a cute little scene. I forgot this. Dude and uh, but who in. does he stay with? He stays with somebody that heals him. Is it a centaur or just yeah, a? He, does it say? I don't know. He just stays there. Yeah, I guess it, I think yeah. it just says a wizened healer or something like he that. Burnt his foot. Right. Trumpkin had put a reward out. They were searching for Puddle Glum. And there was a reward oh. <laughs> for whoever found him. I forgot that part. Uh, good old Trumpkin. Yeah, Centaur, a famous healer. Yeah, a famous healer. Him. So he's there getting healed. They say their goodbyes to him, and he talks about how he lo- he really actually enjoyed being with them, and they really actually enjoyed him, even though he's a wet blanket and all this stuff. So they leave him there, and they go to Care Paravel. The Centaurs take him, and when they arrive, the ship is actually coming into harbor. Rillian is there in like splendid so garments. It's like, it's like of, full circle. Right. Yeah. Rillian's there waiting and it talks about how in a scarlet cloak with silver mail. So it kind of picture like this majestic armor. I picture again, kind of like he the Lord was of the wearing Ring. all black. Right. Before that. And I picture um what's the guy's name? I can't remember his name. In the Crocs in uh Little Lord of the Rings, the main main dude winning the king Aragorn yeah like that, that scene with Aragorn where all the people they like that helps me have like a really good picture in my mind where he's in like this, the majestic armor you know R- Rillian's there on the pier in majestic armor waiting for his dad to come back and Jill and Eustace the, the centaur say hey stay on our backs so that way you can see um, Caspian comes down the gangplank they're they're like cheering and have all this music, but then it like the fanfare dies down, and it's like really sad because they realize no, line. they carry him down in a litter. Really, and goes over to him. They basically embrace and hug. Caspian says, "My son," or something like that, and then dies. And Eustace and Jill are like, "We we we want to go home." You know, they're so heartbroken, so sad to see that. And they're like, yeah. we want to go. And Aslan takes them And again, this, this is so different than all the other books. Yeah. Like, yeah. all the other books, like... Like, it ends on a high note. Like, they don't yeah. want to leave. Like, everything's different about this one. Like, it's again, like, they're not, they're not with all the, you know, they're not, they're not, they never were important. They never yeah. got recognized for what they did. Yeah. There's never a big celebration. Yep. There's none of that. And, they just and, did their thing and, and like, all left. the, and all the other ones, they're so 
sad and, and heartbroken they, to and leave. They, they, right. They end on a high note. Right. right. There's total victory. This ends even even in their moment of victory. It's still it's still sad because Caspian yep. dies. And so Aslan, does he just appear, or do they he, just kind of just appears, appears to them there yeah. and blows first. them away? Or no, does it just, just they just go to he blows but they don't like actually fly oh, to the it, air it they just are there it says that it says that there's yeah. no like they didn't feel the feeling of flying he right. blows but they just ended it so they go into Aslan's country and it talks about how there's this sad music and they don't know where it's coming from there's just this sadness in the air they're back it, in that same spot yeah, in with As- the stream yeah, in the Aslan's tree. country and there's just this sad music and they don't even know where it's coming from they walk through the woods they come to that stream and they can see Caspian the tenth, um, Caspian the I think it ta- says later the seafarer or the voyager, no the, the seafarer things is that what it is, um, and they can see him there in the water and they're sad, they're like just heartbroken because they see him there dead, and Aslan is heartbroken. I think it says how they're not sure if the sad music is coming from him or it's just like in the air, and Aslan tells Eustace go pluck the thorn that you'll find in the thicket. They go. He goes and does, and it says how it's like a small dagger. And Aslan says, "Prick my foot." Eustace kind of protests a little bit, but but willingly, like, does it not willingly, but like he he does what he's told. And it says how the most red drop of blood comes from Aslan's paw, goes in the water, and it brings Caspian out of the water. And it's a cool picture of how the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that makes us white yeah, as snow it's, 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 it's the sacrifice right it's it the, sacrifice, the sacrifice right it point made. it always points back to how jesus or aslan is a is a type or a picture of jesus right and it's his blood that has to be shed to make caspian and it gives it gives life back to caspian right. and not only that but restores so him blood. back to like the best yeah. version of himself yeah. like he talks about how he went right it, ta- man. Like it, it talks about the whole thing like his hair goes from being white to yellow how the wrinkles go away how his beard goes away and he's like a, he's basically like a teenage boy in in his appearance like that that prime of life youth youthfulness so they they have the moment of um what's the word i'm looking for Re, reunite they reunion, re, yeah. reunion and the joyous reunion and they talk and aslan they they eventually get to the point where they're like, okay, we want to go back home. Am I missing anything there well, that think, you guys want to hit? I think they um, like it be it becomes obvious that that's where Caspian's going to be now. Mm-hmm. Right? He's going to live in Aslan's country. Oh yeah, I think, I think Jill and Eustace ask if they, they, they can stay there, and Aslan tells them no, but next time you come back here, it'll be for yep. good. Yep, which is Quentin Ford. Yep, yep, it's really cool. And this, this is where Cassian makes the request. Right. Well, yeah. and that points back I think, I to... Think we talked about this last episode. Yeah. Because yeah. in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, they tell Caspian how their world is round. And as, and Cassian's like, I've always wanted to be go to a round world. What's it like for people to walk upside down? Why do people always get into Narnia, but we can never go to your world? Mm-hmm. And he asks Aslan, is, is it wrong for me to want that? And Aslan's like, you can't want anything wrong here because this is a perfect land. Like what your desires are, it's impossible for them to be wrong. And Eustace and Jill want to go back. Like they express had expressed that earlier. And so he's like, okay, you guys are going to go back and you guys have a little bit of a mission to take care of here. I got a, one last thing for you guys to do. And Caspian, you get your wish of seeing their world. And he talks about how he knocks down the wall 
Jill goes and plucks a branch and it turns into a riding crop, a whip, a short whip. And they have uh, Eustace and Caspian have their swords. And Aslan lies down with his back to in the gate or in the in the broken down wall. And they go through and they teach the bullies a lesson. I think they just basically like maraud them off, like chase them off. No, they whack them. Do they hit them? They oh, beat yeah. them? Oh, yeah, they do. I don't Jill, think it Jill, really says Jill that. Jill beats them. In, in the book, it does. does. I don't think it really does Jill, Jill, in the... Jill beats them in... In the and, audio uh, drama. It, it might. I don't know. I can't remember. Used this whack with a flat switch. Yeah, with a flat... Yeah, oh, no, it does. It talks about it in the audio drama. It talks yeah. about how they, they teach them a lesson. And then the, uh, the headmistress comes out. And yeah. she like kind of goes the head, insane. The head goes which, into which he makes he makes a he makes a, a point for being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> the head, the head which happened to be a woman. Yeah. Um, and she kind of goes crazy. She runs off and calls the police and is like, "There's people dressed up lions. with swords, and then there's lions escape from the circus." And it kind of talks about how so they do that, and then while she's off losing her mind, Aslan mends the wall. They go sneak off and change into their Narnian clothes, which is so cool to me. Like, do they keep those clothes? It yeah. says it says that Eustace buried them, but Jill kept her dress and wore it to a fancy party. <laughs> really? It does say that? that? See, that's not in there. Yep. Like, I thought that when I was listening to it today, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Did they keep them? Um, but yep. then Caspian goes back and, and Aslan mends the wall. So when the headmistress calls the police and they show up and they're like, lady, you're crazy, that sparks an investigation into the experiment school. <laughs> and it says that things were kind of taken care yeah, of. It changed. It changed the school. Yeah, it changed the school. It says it ended up being a pretty good school. Yeah, and that's how the silver chair ends. It talk. Yeah. It does in the epilogue. It talks about how back in Narnia, Rillian buries his father. Yeah. And all that. Um. And then I think it says how he was a good a good king. Yeah. Um. But it. And I think it also talks. Does it say that they're kind of going into the last days now? I don't. I can't remember if I it does. So. No. No. Okay. It just says that they kept the opening in the hillside open oh. to the underworld, huh. and it says if you ever have the luck to go to Narnia yourself, do not forget to have a look at those caves. Oh, that's cool. See, those are little tidbits that are in the book. They're so yep. cool. Yep. But yeah, so that's how the silver chair, the silver chair, and it is cool how like like the problem that was like this like thing that was like an insurmountable, depressing problem to them. At the beginning, after that adventure, it's like no problem. Mm-hmm. School, like after everything they went to Narnia, like a couple school bullies, like it like wasn't yeah. a big deal. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it is a really cool and actually, and after this, now I I have new I have new enlightenment of the silver <laughs> chair. That's why, like, literally, it would be still probably be the bottom of my list, but it's you can't have a least favorite. Like you just love yeah, you gotta, the Chronicles you listen, of listen Narnia. To the yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna definitely have to get I think, those. I think Jill, Jill's voice, like I'm sure, she she did a good job. Like her voice, yeah, drives me crazy in the folks on the family. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Any concluding thoughts before we wrap it up? I don't I think mean, so. I there's think a lot to say, mine. but I probably shouldn't. Yeah, we're at a we're at about an hour and a half. So this is gonna be the <laughs> longest one to date, and I, and the last battle is probably gonna be longer because that one's even gonna get in depth. Um, and Brendan, if you wouldn't mind, come back for that one. We would I'd, love I'd, it. I'd be honored. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming on this one. Thank you everybody for listening to the junk drawer podcast. Um, I've, I've heard great the feedback. Junk, the drunk drawer. Drunk, <laughs> the, the junk drawer podcast. I've heard good feedback on the Narnia series. I'd love to hear feedback. I always post in the notes, our email and Instagram page. So please hit me up. Let me know what you think. 
Again, thank you everybody for listening to the Junk Drawer Podcast.